It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, still in France. Uh, all done with the Women's World Cup. The U.S. women, of course, victorious. He was there to cover it all. He's excited, apparently, to get back. Actually, that's not even true. He told me he's staying until the start of League 1, and he's just going to cover Neymar and PSG and that debacle that's going on over there. Now, he's on his way back. Uh, we should have the Panda back in studio uh, next week as we record. But uh, the LA Galaxy coming off of a 2-0 victory over Toronto FC at Dignity Health Sports Park on July 4th. Hope everybody had a happy and safe holiday there. Uh, and now the Galaxy turned their attention towards the San Jose Earthquakes coming up on Friday, July 12th. Two Friday games in a row. Uh, you have San Jose and then you have LAFC coming up in the next two weeks. So get your Friday commute ready to go up to Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, on today's show, though, we're certainly going to go over the win over Toronto FC and uh, what I saw from that game and sort of how that went about. Um, I think it was probably one of the smarter wins that the Galaxy have had all year, and really that's probably the, the biggest reason for that is just the patience that they showed. We're certainly going to talk about that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic with two goals. Uh, youngsters certainly showing themselves there. Have a little bit more information or a little bit update here on uh, Giovanni Dos Santos and his signing with Club America. That is now official and done. I will do my best to try to uh, tell you what questions we don't have answers for. Uh, and then, of course, talking about the internationals who came back. Uh, Gold Cup victorious Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel Antuna win the Gold Cup for Mexico. Going to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, and we get you ready always uh, towards heading towards that San Jose game. So I'm going to go over standings and the league and some little interesting tidbits I was able to pull from the charts. But uh, let's get to this Toronto FC game. The LA Galaxy, 2-0 winners over Toronto FC. Toronto missing Josie Althor and Michael Bradley, who are away with the U.S. men's national team in that Gold Cup final. Um... The LA Galaxy missing Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, missing Uriel Antuna, and then missing five other players with injuries. And that includes Ramon Alessandrini, Sebastian Legette, Rolf Felcher. Um, you had uh, Chris Pontius missing as well. And you also had um, Jorgen Shelvick with the toe. That was all off the top of my head trying to remember all those. So um, so that's where the Galaxy stood. And if you uh, if you were following along in my pregame and, and what I was looking at from the LA Galaxy, I said that they're going to have to be patient in this game. They're going to have to just sort of plot along. They may have to even seed some possession. Um, and, you know, that sort of seems what's happening. But the Galaxy really didn't even have a, a, a right midfielder to play in this particular game. Um, and that led led to the start of one of the 17-year-olds. In fact, the Galaxy start two 17-year-olds. Uh, Efrain Alvarez gets his first ever MLS start. He started an Open Cup game and has made some MLS appearances but never started before. So the 17-year-old just new recently turned 17 years old. Uh, Efrain Alvarez uh, gets the start at the right midfield role. Um, whenever I was looking at this and trying to predict out, I thought Cuello may start there. Um, but Efrain gets a start there. And then you had Julian Araujo, the other 17-year-old, back at right back. So the right side of the LA Galaxy's... Uh, uh, formation was 17 years old combined 34 years old still not old enough or, or, or older than Zlatan Ibrahimovic whenever you look at it um, and so that's I sort of want to fill in or at least focus in on those two players because I think uh, between them they had a, a really great night I think one player in particular had an outstanding night um, may not be the player that you thought had an outstanding night but the LA Galaxy go with sort of a 4-1-4-1 formation um, you had uh, David Bingham in goal you had Julian Arroyo at right back, Daniel Steres and uh, and Giancarlo Gonzalez. Uh, People Gonzalez back there at center back. So you had Diego Polenta floating out there on the left back. Remember the LA Galaxy, no left backs either, no Traore, um, and then no um, and no Shelvick as well. So at least Traore was on the bench, but I think if you're looking at that, trying to get the best defenders out on the field with no Felcher out there as well, then, you know, the back line makes a bunch of sense. Perry Kitchen was playing in that central defensive midfielder role that Jonathan Dos Santos usually plays in, and then you had Efrain Alvarez at right midfield. You had Corona and Fabio Alvarez in the center, Emmanuel Boateng out on the left-hand side, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Having said all of this, with all of the seven players that were missing in this, I don't think you can fault Guillermo Baroscoloto with his starting lineup. I believe that there really wasn't much choice. The only thing you could probably 
probably argue about was Efrain Alvarez and Cuello. And whenever you hear GBS talk about uh, why he decided to start Efrain Alvarez, it was because you know he showed well in coming in 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 a substitute role against San Jose in that three nothing loss, um, and they felt like it was time to give him a start. So you know it's really a matter of a 17 year old coming in and earning a spot to start and then starting, which. You know, in the whole scheme of things, is exactly what you want to see from, you know, the LA Galaxy and developing talent. You don't just want to be gifting 17-year-old starts for no reason. Efrain Alvarez has certainly showed a lot this season to, to earn that start and showed it in the game before this. And being the Galaxy weren't a crunch. I mean, clearly, if I, I think if the LA Galaxy have Oriel Antuna, if they have Chris Pontius, uh, if they have Sebastian Legette, Efrain Alvarez doesn't start. Having said that, I don't think that there was a, a huge drop down in quality. Although I think Efrain Alvarez was MIA for large portions of this game. And that's what you expect from a 17-year-old kid, by the way. Uh, that's not a harsh criticism of it. It's just a normal criticism. It's sort of like, you know, you're going you're gonna to have these peaks and valleys and the whole idea. And, you know, every coach will tell you this whole idea is can you get the consistency? Um, you know, Bruce Arena was great at playing players that he knew what he was going to get out of, right? Guys like Mike McGee, um, you know, guys like, uh, let's see, I, I'm, I'm, of course, always going to think of, like, the big guys. But even Juninho and, you know, Marcelo Sarvas, is, you knew what you were going to get from these guys. That's why he would go in and bring in guys like Eddie Lewis. That's why he had Greg Berhalter in there at one point. He knew what he was going to get out of those players. Um, and so then he could use that to his advantage, knowing how consistent those guys could all be. Um, what you're looking for Efrain Alvarez right now is to find that consistency, and it's he didn't find it in this game. Again, MIA in the first half, and the Galaxy had a couple good looks early in the first half. Um, Julian Araujo really had the miss of the game whenever he hit the upright um, in the 22nd minute, and then Joe Corona who volleyed back the uh, the return there after it came off the post, uh, and it was saved off the line by Toronto. So that was the really the only huge chance that you could really see there. Um, for the LA Galaxy in that first half, and it was, you know, Julian Rajo who, who sort of missed that. Um, but for me, I didn't see enough of Efrain Alvarez, you know, trying to do anything in that first half. Now, the second half is a little bit different story, and I think Guillermo sort of talks about, you know, one of the things he likes about Efrain Alvarez was the fact that, um, and this is maybe, it's a higher compliment than I think you you should it, then, then it sort of just says whenever you think about it. Um, but, you know, Guillermo said he's will, even whenever he loses the ball easily, he comes back in the same position and has the confidence to try it again and to keep trying. And so he doesn't lose that um, that confidence to sit there and say, oh, I just lost the ball in this position. I better not, you know, put it in this. It, it's not that he knows that he has the skill to be able to pull off what he's trying to do. And just because it got intercepted and as a more offensive player, that's certainly an offensive mindset. You know, it's the keep going, keep going. If you're a striker, you missed, you missed 99, but you make 100 and, and you know, you're, you're a great striker. Um, you know, the opposite of the defenders, which is, you know, don't make any mistakes. You can block 99, but if you let one in, it's a failure. Um, so I think Efrain Alvarez, you know, really was was in the second half a product of a poor first half, which was um, that he was just not involved in the play all that much. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic dropping back a little bit again to try to get involved in the play. Uh, this is a this was a, a Toronto team that I think is actually can be a good team, and certainly with Pasuelo sitting up there in the number ten um, and having to be sort of that striker up there, I really feel like the Galaxy were. were you know, benefited off of the fact that he was playing out of position because it really took him out of most of the offensive buildups. I mean, if you look at the overall touches um, and who had the most touches in this game out of anybody, it was Pasuela with 111. Uh, the Galaxy's most touches were Joe Corona at 76. Galaxy did a better job of spreading things out than, than you know, really Pasuelo did um, trying to lead Toronto, you know, out from the fact that they, they didn't have a whole bunch of, of playmakers. Now, having said that, I think Toronto was dangerous. I think you could say that Toronto had uh, the better of the chances probably throughout the night. Certainly leading up to the Galaxy's first goal, Toronto had the better of the chances. Um, and some of that, I do not agree. You know, there are people saying that, that the better team was Toronto. I don't think that the better team was Toronto. I think the Galaxy played a very conservative game plan. Um, I think that they needed to. They didn't have all of their players. They knew that they were going to probably lack some offensive sort of creativity in a lot of these ways. Um, and so to try to go out there and, and you know, play Toronto toe for toe and try to hold possession or try to do any of those things. I mean, I haven't done it. I need to do it. But if we go back and look at the study of the LA Galaxy and their possession and what that means, you're going to find, I think, that the LA Galaxy's average possession and wins is going to be under 50%. Um, 
it just it, this this Galaxy team is set up a little bit more as a counter-attacking team, but um, I even asked Guillermo about the patience um, that the team sort of showed throughout this this game, and you know he, he he sort of said, yeah, we had some patience, but we also played direct, and it's really about what the what the game is going to give us, and I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, I certainly think that the Galaxy's identity leans a little bit more towards counterattack. Um, and it's not a quick counterattack. It's just being able to exploit a team whenever they're pressed forward. And certainly what can happen to the LA Galaxy whenever they get pressed forward and commit numbers forward. Um, but I, I just feel like this Galaxy team is, you know, yes, they can build up. Yes, they can do things. Um, but in my mind, they seem to fit the chance that, you know, the possession, whenever they hold possession, there's not, usually there's not an end in that possession that ends in a goal. Um, there have been this year, there have been some great team goals, and the Galaxy just missed one whenever Araujo hit the upright. I mean, that was 20-something passes. I don't know because they don't put the replays on ESPN+, Plus, so I can't go back and just watch it all the time. Um, but, you know, you, you could have had one of those, you know, ultimate team goals with all the passes, and you could they could have done the nice graphic in the video afterwards and showed all the passes and where they went because the Galaxy held that possession for a long time. Um, that was back and forth. That was shifting Toronto around, and that was eventually finding, you know, finding space with uh, Emmanuel Botang, who put the perfect cross in, and that's now multiple games where he has put the perfect cross in, and the Galaxy haven't been able to finish. Um, he did it in San Jose as well. There was, you know, the, the fact that the Galaxy can't get guys in the box a lot of times is a problem. Now, in this particular case, uh, you know, Boateng did exactly what he was supposed to do, and it was a late trailing sort of run Rajo. Um, the Galaxy are going to continue to rely on their outside backs to create that offense, and so they're going to need to start scoring some of those as well if you're going to rely that much on it. Um, but going back to sort of the focus, so you had Alvarez, the 17-year-old. I said he was MIA in the first half, certainly showed up in the second half, ends up getting the assist on Zlatan Ibrahimovic's game-winning goal. Um, that's goal number 12 for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, it was a good pass. Um, it was a good cross. I like... Efrain Alvarez and his crosses, they're not floated most of the time. They have some drive to them. And I feel like a lot of the Galaxy's crosses are floated. They have too much backspin and not enough, you know, wrapping the foot around and getting a little bit more driven ball in there. Because I feel like guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic can do so much more with a driven ball. If that ball is floated to Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the back post, which I know you've all seen the goal, um, the ball is maybe overhit a little bit, but it was certainly put in a place that only Zlatan could get to it. And that's sort of, you know, the 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 genius in the strike. Um, but I still think that there probably was overhit just a little bit. But, you know, Efrain Alvarez wraps his left foot around it. It's driven. It's curving. It's got a downward momentum to it. And because it's overhit, maybe just the tiniest bit, um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has to hit this going away. So it's sort of a fade back uh, jumper, if you will, but a fade back header. Um, and he then has to put that and, and gain power from having to fall away from the play. So really, you're cushioning that ball with your head more than you're driving it into the goal. So he has to cushion that up over the goalkeeper um, and into the back of the net. And, you know, he did that. And and it was a great, great, uh, you know, great look from, from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It was a great pass from Efrain Alvarez. He put it in only a place that Zlatan could get. Um, but again, it's with that drive. If that ball's not driven, there's not enough momentum on that probably for Zlatan to pull that off. So that's that's the good cross. That's what you're looking for. But the 17-year-old that I think had an outstanding game is Julian Araujo. He had the most tackles on the team with three, tied with Perry Kitchen. Perry Kitchen also had a very good game, by the way, in the center. Um, did a very good job uh, sort of controlling that central defensive midfield. Uh, did a good job of protecting the back four. The back four did a good job. You know, there were some breakdowns, certainly. Um, David Bingham did a good job, you know, making those saves. So you, you look at all these. But Julian Araujo had a tough night and had to go up against uh, Schaffelberg, who was really brought into this Toronto team to be a menace, to be sort of that quick-paced, um, you know, left-sided midfielder. And he, he in the in the earlier moments of the game, maybe had some success. But there was a physical battle going on between, you know, Schaffelberg and Araujo, and Araujo won that. Um, Schaffelberg was put in Araujo's pocket towards the end of this game. Um, just nothing. And and Schaffelberg spent so much time on the ground from from tackles from Julian Araujo, um, who also, by the way, led the LA Galaxy and fouls conceded with three. But having said that, you look at what he was able to do on Schaffelberg, and that's the type of defensive stand that you want to see from a young kid. And at 17 years old, he made a grown man look foolish on multiple occasions. And a grown man couldn't outmuscle a 17-year-old. All right, there, there are some guys who, and you've seen it in moments from Alvarez, I would say that you've seen the majority of the time for, from Araujo, um, they just look comfortable. They look like they belong there. 
Um, you've, you probably saw it at LA Galaxy 2 where Araujo just looked like he belonged at LA Galaxy 2. So then he comes up to you know the senior team and you wonder, can he, can he do it again? And yeah, it's the speed of the game doesn't bother him. Um, you know, I thought he had a very tough defensive assignment with Schaffelberg there. I, I thought Osorio also got in his way a couple times as well. Um, between Steris and Araujo on that right-hand side of the LA Galaxy defense, I thought they did an outstanding job of limiting those chances. If you look at Toronto's chances, and they're certainly going to show you that there were shots from inside the box. Um, and that they outshot the LA Galaxy, and that Toronto outpossessed the LA Galaxy, and I think all of that is sort of within the mindset of this game is fine. I don't think there's any issues with that. I don't think you sit there and say the Galaxy didn't play well in the first half. I thought they played fine in the first half. Um, they were being patient. They weren't overcommitting. We see this LA Galaxy team pressing to score goals so often that they pull themselves out of position, and this was a de- you know a disciplined team. And it was at a time when they needed that discipline. They just needed to bide their time. Who, who ended up being the difference in this is, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, with Efrain Alvarez, you know, putting the cross in. With um, with guys like Boateng, you know, trying to feed Ibrahimovic. With eventually Cuello comes in and feeds Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You, you see this and, and you understand that that's where the difference between these two shorthanded teams was. Um, was was in these two. Was Ibrahimovic versus Pasuelo. And Pasuelo's playing out of position. He was dropping back. You know, that really led for Toronto, who I think, again, is a good team. Um, it, it really led them to sort of almost stymie some of their offensive creativity. Uh, you can look at the at the stats, and it shows that they outshot the Galaxy 12-10. to 10. You can show on target 5-4, to 4, they outshot them. Um, off target was even. You can show all that. You can show that they had almost 60% possession. The Galaxy had 41% possession. All right. So you can look at all of those things and how that works. Um, you know, almost 20% possession difference. And then you look at how the LA Galaxy and this team, it was an even game. And what was the difference? Efrain Alvarez was the difference. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was the difference. And it was being able to score that goal and get that goal scored uh, first. And the Galaxy are now 10-0-0 when scoring the first goal. It's, it's such an easy formula for them. If the LA Galaxy want to go on a run and they want to beat San Jose and they want to beat LAFC and they want to beat Portland and Atlanta, you score goals first and you have a chance at it. I told you last Monday that I was worried that the LA Galaxy don't have any draws, and that's still a worry. And I think you can get draws from winning positions, and yes, it's not perfect, but you're going to need to get some points here um, You know, as the Galaxy started this sort of four-game home strand. Remember, they have a League Cup game coming up on July 23rd. It's also a home game. So home against Toronto, that's a win. Home against San Jose, uh, you know, right now just preliminary without looking at the lineups, without looking at who's available, and looking at how the LA Galaxy played up at Stanford Stadium, I'd say the Galaxy win this game. Didn't think they were outplayed in San Jose, don't think they're going to get outplayed at home, uh, especially not with Jonathan Dos Santos coming back, not with Uriel and Tuna coming back. I think the balance to the LA Galaxy is going to be there. So looking at San Jose, that should be a win. Looking at LAFC, I'll be honest, they're a buzzsaw right now, uh, but they have a bunch of games to play before they get to that. So we'll look at that game whenever it comes, because right now, I think on paper, you're looking at that and saying, you know, with like some something like a plus 34 goal differential, LAFC is going to run right over the LA Galaxy, but it's at home. It's a rivalry game. So many things can change. LAFC has a bunch of games to play in between that. So we can talk about that when we get there. But you want to get points in these games. You want to get points against uh, you know, Portland on July 27th. Score the first goal. The LA Galaxy have shown that they are very good. In fact, they're undefeated when they score the first goal. That shouldn't surprise you, by the way. That's just, That's a pretty, you know, that's a good stat from the Galaxy side whenever you look at it. That's a good thing to sort of sit there and say, oh, the LA Galaxy are you know, undefeated 10-0-0 whenever they score the first goal. Um, that's, that's, that, that's good. It's also almost expected. It just means when they have a lead, they're able to, to protect that lead. I think the LA Galaxy are a better defensive team than they are an offensive team right now. Uh, especially whenever you add Jonathan Dos Santos in there and you look at the back line that the Galaxy have been able to put together. Yes, they still allow goals. Yes, they allowed three goals to San Jose. But what you see is whenever the Galaxy don't have to press for a goal, that they are very organized on defense. And that's what you saw again in this Toronto game. I, I think if the Galaxy are going to go on a run, if they're going to continue to stay second in the Western Conference, which certainly the eye test would tell you might be a stretch, although... It just every time they win, the other teams win. Every time they lose, the other teams lose. It's just so hit and miss right now in the Western Conference um, that <clears throat> I think that the Galaxy, you know, can can use this this defensive sort of stature that they have and this confidence that they have to really put a different spin 
on this year than maybe they have in the years past. Um, and that's that's what I think you saw in this Toronto game. Araujo was good. Polenta was good. Polenta will not be there. Polenta picked up a yellow card, will not play against San Jose. At least that's what it says right now, um, you know, in the league stats, uh, that he has too many yellow cards now and that he will miss the next game. So he should be suspended because of that yellow card. Um, that's probably okay for the LA Galaxy, who should be able to get Shelvick back, or they'll put Triori in there. Um However that ends up working, it seems like they'll be able to sort of absorb that whenever you look at the defensive substitutions that they have, and there's not a huge drop-off in some of these. So looking at Araujo, looking at Steras and Gonzalez, and whether it's Shelvick or Polenta in this game, Polenta playing out of position at left back. Um, but Guillermo Barrescoloto doing the best job he can to get to keep Daniel Steras on this dang field. Again, you have to keep Steras on the field. Uh, you know, moving people Gonzalez back in there to, to be next to him works too. Polenta out on the left back works okay. Uh, he's not great at getting back. He likes to suck inside too much, um, and that opens outside pathways a lot of times, but he's not a left back, so it doesn't surprise me that he would get caught out in those situations. Um, you know, Perry, again, Perry Kitchen, I thought, had a good game. You know, Joe Corona had a good game. Um just looking at the stats and how it goes. Um, so I, I think that what you saw may have been a little frustrating to watch and that you thought the Galaxy weren't sort of taking it to Toronto. I just, I just the, the offense is just not at a place where they can just go and just run right over people. Um, even in FC Cincinnati where they beat them 2-0, you know, it, it should have been 7 or 8 nothing. whenever you think about how early they scored the two goals. Um, but defensively, they're smart, and defensively, they're able to stand, you know, sort of and, and keep this, this lead whenever they have it. So, you know, again, in my mind, this is a good performance from the LA Galaxy. I thought Joe Corona, you know, fought, did, a, did a great job as well. Um, you look at him. I'm sort of going through the rest of my notes. Um, you know, I thought the refereeing was, was semi-atrocious in this game. Um, trying to figure out what a foul was and what wasn't a foul and, and where people were getting fouls and how they weren't getting fouls. I mean, there were some tough, tough challenges in the, in the press box. I looked over at uh, Larry Morgan not on Twitter. I said, that's a foul. Um, and it was probably against the Galaxy. Whenever I said it, I go, that's a foul. And, you know, it got let go. And then you would see, you know, a little touch and all of a sudden the whistle blew. Um, he, you know, the the referee, I, I think Ramey Tucan, Tucan uh, Ramey Tucan, I think that's how you say your last name, um, you know, was was not consistent enough. He had players from both sides. He had coaches from both sides. Guillermo Barrescoloto got a yellow card in this game as well um, for arguing, and by the way, rightfully arguing that something wasn't a foul, when, and it wasn't a foul. Um, this was on the near touchline. The assistant referee who was on the sideline, um, who was running up and down with the flag, was three yards away from this play and didn't raise his flag and didn't motion for a foul. The center referee, who was about 15 yards away and was shielded from any contact, if there was some, ended up calling that play, and that's when Guillermo Barrescoloto got a yellow card. Um, so you, you look at all this and you say, okay, so the Galaxy, you know, that was sort of a, a bad thing for the Galaxy, and the Galaxy ended up getting three yellow cards in this match, and plus, plus Guillermo. Um, but it was all about, you know, the second half and how the Galaxy took advantage of it. Again, it was all patience for me. Um, Efrain Alvarez comes in and gets that that cross. Before that even happens, you know, Fabio Alvarez gets a cross into Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who should have buried it and and missed it from short range. Full volley from like eight yards out, and, and Ibrahimovic sent it over the bar. Um, you had Fabio Alvarez miss a shot that was inside the box that he, he sort of sent over the bar as well. So, you know, the Galaxy were starting to build that momentum in the second half, and then you get Efrain Alvarez's cross that ends up unlocking uh, the Toronto defense, and that ends up to Zlatan Ibrahimovic getting his uh, his 12th goal of the season, and then uh, Emil Cuello comes in um, in place of Boateng, come, and then he gets the nice cross. And by the way, a great cross. Um, the height at which this cross is hit is also important. The timing of when Cuello hits the ball is also important important and Zlatan Ibrahimovic able to get it past uh, the Toronto goalkeeper as well. So again, my, my big sort of players that, that I really like Julian Araujo, I thought was in many ways, a man of the match sort of candidate. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored two goals and that's the reason the galaxy win this game. So Zlatan Ibrahimovic gets man of the match. But second for me is Julian Araujo for a complete game, 90 minute performance. Um, you know, Efrain Alvarez certainly gets a nod because of the fact he was able to come in and, or excuse me, play 90 minutes. And then in that second half, make that adjustment and find that cross and, and really get in there. So that's, that's big. Uh, I thought Fabio Alvarez, again, created the most chances on the team again. Uh, he does that on a regular basis. He created three. Efrain Alvarez was second and created two. Um, 
Joe Corona led the team in touches, 76, and passes, 57. Um, we talked about Julian Araujo leading the team in three tackles, um, tied with Perry Kitchen. Uh, you know, and then it was all about the conversion of those two chances whenever they had it. The Galaxy converted their chances. Toronto didn't. I think there's still a general consensus among uh, league press that Toronto may have played better in that game. I think they got the better of the chances. I don't think they played better. Uh, I think if you're looking at Guillermo Barrascoloto and the game plan he sort of had in this, um, that you have to be pretty... Uh, again, it felt like he told everybody to be patient in this game. And the Galaxy were patient. It wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the greatest. Um, but that patience is going to come in handy against a team like San Jose, uh, who plays, as we talked about, the weird sort of man-marking and the fact that the Galaxy have already seen it and it was just a couple you know, couple weeks ago is going to really, I think, help the Galaxy in this game. The fact that you get Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel and Tuna back as well, that's uh, that's important. Let's get to some quotes from the LA Galaxy uh, after the game. This is uh, Guillermo Barrascoloto uh, speaking on Efrain Alvarez's and also uh, Efrain Alvarez's performance and also uh, throws on a little about uh, Julian Araujo as well. He says, before I speak on Efrain, I'd like to say that we are very happy today because we had two players on the field who are 17 years old, Efrain Alvarez and Julian Araujo. In the second half, Mil Cuello went in, Cuello's 22, by the way, uh, and came into our club from the MLS Combine, and you know we needed a win because we had the stadium full, we were coming from a loss in San Jose, and everyone had expectations for the game today. He said, they are professionals. I think the team played very well and, su- and supported our players, like Julian and Efrain, and allowed them to bring their soccer into the game. Efrain is playing because we don't have Oriel Antuna, Roman Alessandrini, all the players on the national team are injured. He's young. He needs time. We can't force him to play every game and give assists and goals. He's 17. He needs time. And we are working with him for the future, for the Galaxy's future. But we need to take the steps that we need to take and that he needs, and then he will be a great player if he stays grounded. So... Uh, Guillermo already preaching, saying don't get a big head on this. Um, on the team's midseason form, uh, Guillermo says, I think today we can see something, but we have seven players out due to a national team and injuries, and it's a lot in MLS, but we are making the team, and sometimes we don't have the players, so we have to try and figure out with what we have. But it's hard to keep the idea and keep the results. Sometimes you prefer to just win, regardless of how you play. Sometimes you have to play how we are going to play because this this way we are going to win. During the season, we've had 19 games. I think the team sometimes shows the way that I want to play, the system that I want to use. Today, we had a lot of young players on the field, so we can't tell them you have to play like this or you have to play like that because they need to make mistakes, and sometimes they will make good decisions. But with young players, sometimes it's difficult to keep the line always going up and always going down. So in this case, I prefer for Julian or for Efrain to play well and get confidence for the future step-by-step and not put the system over them. Guillermo sort of saying, you know, with seven players out, we're not playing the way that I would overall love to play. Um, But it's a way that we can get wins, and it's a way that we had to use the players that we did without seven players. That's, again, it's speaking to the patience sort of quotient. And then I asked Guillermo about the patience, and he says, I think we need to mix it up when we have the ball and sometimes be direct or or sometimes have patience. Today, for example, I remember playing the first half when Julian Araujo gave gave the ball, and I think maybe 20 passes almost. I don't know exactly how many. Sometimes the game gave us the possibility for making passes and organizing the play or moving the ball until finding the play, and sometimes... I want to be direct. It just depends. Um, Which I think is the appropriate answer. Again, we talk about the the identity of the LA Galaxy. And Guillermo's basically telling you right here, he's like, listen, we can have an identity. He goes, I'd love to have an identity. But when you're missing seven players, I'm not sure that, you know, the system or that identity is more important than getting results. And so in this particular case, we get the results. We're a little bit more patient whenever we need to be patient. Um, You know, we're able to build when we have the ability to build and whenever Toronto was going to allow us. And if not, we took it direct and we, you know, sort of forced that action and, and made it that way. So, I think it was a good a good mix overall whenever you think about what the Galaxy tried to do in this game and, and sort of how they um, how they, they accomplished uh, the, the victory. Uh, he says on giving Efrain Alvarez his first start and what impressed him most from his performance, he says, when we organized the team, we saw him really well in the second half against San Jose. So after the game, we were talking, after the San Jose game, I should say, after the San Jose game, we were talking at the table and we said he needs to play in the next game. I think the best thing I could see about him was that he always tries to get the ball and do something with it. Even sometimes where he could easily lose the ball. One minute after, he recovers the ball. He has the ball. So I think this is the best thing to take away from him today 
day. Even when things are not going really good for him, he can keep the line and ask for the ball. Uh, and then finally on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and he says, I'm very happy for him. He has a big career. He knows the strikers sometimes can and sometimes can't score. But I feel happy because you can feel like he feels. Like when he doesn't score, when he doesn't have the opportunity to score, he gets frustrated. And today the young players gave him the possibility to score twice. When we move over to Zlatan Ibrahimovic and what he said after the game... Um, there was a lot of this isn't the playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the press told me that the playoffs are when the team needs to be playing good, so us winning now doesn't really matter as long as we're in the playoffs. Zlatan continues to play this little uh, this little comedy act that he had going on. Yeah, I think you know the the reporters did our best to sort of pull him out of that. Uh, I I don't think that uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that Zlatan now has found something that he likes to needle on. Um, and that he can sort of hold over the reporters and make fun of us for and all sorts of stuff. And he certainly got me to shut up today, shut up uh, whenever I asked him a question about, um, you know, about playing patiently and did they need this result and that type of thing. And I, I mentioned that, you know, in San Jose, you maybe played better than you. He's like, I never said we played good. And I'm like, you're right, you didn't. And, you know, he didn't want to answer that question. Um, that's on me. I have to be more on my game whenever I come at, uh, at the line. I understand that. Um, so, but you're seeing this sort of, trend come on. I don't know if this is going to continue, but I expect it's going to continue. That Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't going to answer questions as freely as he has been. Uh, I think he feels a little bit picked on in Major League Soccer in terms of, you know, the suspensions and, you know, and certainly the parody of MLS soccer has gotten to Zlatan Ibrahimovic a little bit whenever you look at this. But uh, I think the best thing he sort of said was, you know, getting back on the score sheet, and he says, of course I will score. That's the last problem I have. I just need to be in the right spot in the right position, which is the most difficult port part. I'm not worried about the goals. I think the collective performance is more important than my goals, because if the collective performance is there, the goals will come. Um, I think he was worried about getting back on the score sheet. Again, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, his longest ever goal-scoring drought with the LA Galaxy was five games that happened last year. Um, the second longest goal-scoring drought is two games. I think it's happened four times now. Um, but he, he again, scores two goals. Um, and when you look at that, he, he continues to sort of climb up in the stats now with uh, 13 goals um, in 15 games played, I believe. And I'll have the uh, the chart I'll read you out here in a little bit. But, you know, that's Zlatan sort of saying. He talked about Efrain Alvarez, you know, saying, the same thing that he's been echoing since the beginning of the season. He goes, I said he's the biggest talent in this league and he's ready to play. He's only 17 and I believe that in that in this league, if you're 16 or 17, you can be ready to play because the level is not like Europe. If you're 16 or 17 and not playing in this league, then it will be difficult in Europe. Um, I think Zlatan's taken a shot at MLS now a, a lot and, and you can sort of hear it creeping into his things. It's not that he's wrong, by the way. I, I don't disagree with him. Um, but, you know, he's, he's starting to sort of have that little edge and that little you know, argument about Major League Soccer and, you know, I, I guess how it's structured or, or the talent level. And he's been talking about how it's not the same as in Europe, which everybody knows. Um, but, you know, he's, he's reiterating that a lot more now. Um, so it's, it's just interesting. All interesting stuff. There's nothing, you know, implied in that. I just think it, it, it's interesting to see his tone sort of turn away from being more positive about the league to being, I, I would think, a lot more negative uh, about the league. And I, I don't know what he's setting himself up for or how that goes, but um, it, it certainly seems like he's leaning in one direction on this now that, you know, the league, he's not the biggest fan of the league whenever it comes to some of this stuff. Again, not wrong whenever he's talking about the the difficulty versus Europe and the major league and major league soccer. Uh, that's that he's not wrong. Um, so I don't want that to be the criticism of it. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, he says, uh, they, you know, talking about patience, he said, I've had patience since day one because of where I come from and who I played with. It's nothing to brag about now because now I am here and I've said from the beginning that I have to learn. I have to adjust. I have to have this patience and to adjust my game after the game. So game here. So that is what I'm trying to do. Um, again, a little edge to, to Zlatan. Which I think probably works better for the LA Galaxy whenever he's a little more edgy in terms of, you know, annoyed, frustrated, or anything else. And I think the two goals that he scored did not relieve that frustration. So, uh, sort of interesting to see how that plays out and how that continues to go. Um, you know, the LA Galaxy defender, uh, Julian Araujo, now talks. Um, let's see. I, I think the best one is, you know, on how comfortable he is uh, being called on to play. He goes, and I quote, I, I never want to get comfortable. I always want to keep going and I always want to learn. And. I want to do whatever I have to do to be better. Uh, there's never going to be a point where I'm going to get comfortable. I, I kind of like that. Uh, it's it's that little edge. Um, and Efrain Alvarez also talked about it. Um, 
you know, he said in the first half uh, that they were not frustrated. Uh, we were not frustrated at all. We were just trying to work out the game. In the first half, we couldn't break the line. But the second half, we came in with a different mentality. We tried breaking it more. We ran collectively. We did offense and defense collectively, and that is what we needed, and we broke them down. I actually think that's a very accurate representation of exactly what happened in that game. Uh, and anybody who tells you that Toronto didn't get broken down uh, eventually in that is is sort of living in a dream world where, you know, they're just they're, they're looking at stats or they're looking at things that, that you don't see on the field. And I think with the LA Galaxy and the quality that they have, that they the Galaxy were the better team because they finished their chances. Uh, Toronto probably had the better of the chances. They didn't finish their chances, but the Galaxy also disrupted a lot of their chances. So all that makes sense to me. LA Galaxy 2-0 winners over Toronto FC. Um, that's a big jump and a, and a good set of points for the LA Galaxy, who now have 34 points through 19 games. The Galaxy are also undefeated in July. That's right, one game played, one win. Um, so that's a good start for the LA Galaxy as they look at four games here in July, and we'll go over that schedule here in just a little bit. But four games in July, you have five games in August, six in September, and two in October right now. As it stands with the LA Galaxy schedule, I don't expect it to change. You also have to throw in one League's Cup game in there as well, so add another one in July uh, in terms of that, although we will certainly see whether or not the LA Galaxy take that seriously or whether or not they start, you know, LA Galaxy 2 guys or, or however they want to sort of do this for that League's Cup in the middle of a very, very busy time. Again, four games in July, which is going to be their easiest down the road here. Four games in July, five games in August, six games in September right now. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. And then the final game is in October there. Then it goes on to MLS playoffs, which, of course, the LA Galaxy are curr currently in a position to have uh, one of those top two seeds uh, in the Western Conference, which would be advantageous for them. Uh, as we go to LA Galaxy news, sort of, I guess the biggest news is that the uh, the deal that we told you with uh, told you about Giovanni dos Santos signs with Club America. Uh, I believe we talked about it last week. If not, then I'm telling you now. Um, this is now official. It's all done. Uh, statement by the LA Galaxy's Dennis DeClosa was released by the club. Um, and this is what Dennis had to say. He said, we work closely with Giovanni to find a new club that will be a good destination for him both on and off the field. We thank Giovanni for his contributions to the LA Galaxy, and we wish him the best of luck with Club America. Uh, let's see. So that was the the entire statement there. Here's what we don't know, and, and I apologize for not knowing. We haven't had a chance to sort of talk to the people that we need to talk to yet, um, and I'm hoping that by this game on Friday, um, by maybe our live show on Wednesday, we're going to have a better understanding of exactly what it all means. We know the LA Galaxy, in order to uh, buy out the contract, sort of had to agree to buy out the entire contract at $6.5 million. Now, uh, it's also interesting that Dennis DeCloso, who is with the LA Galaxy, was in charge of also selling Giovanni Dos Santos. So even though the league technically showed him on their payroll at $6.5 million, we knew the Galaxy were responsible for that $6.5 million, and apparently the Galaxy are responsible for the movement of that player as well. So with Giovanni Dos Santos heading to Club America, what we don't know is if the LA Galaxy are able to recoup any of that 6.5 or if they have to agree to just pay the 6.5 million dollars no matter what I would imagine because it's Major League Soccer and because the owners generally write the rules and how they can do is that the Galaxy were able to offset with anything they got from Club America now that may not be in the form of a transfer fee. That might be in the form of salary. Uh, that might be in the form of that the Galaxy only paid, you know, his salary up until this point of the year, and it's only half of that. So it's, you know, $3.25 million instead of $6.5 million. We don't know that. I don't know that we're going to find out 100% what that means, but we're going to do our best to try to find out because it, it doesn't affect the salary cap at all because all this money exists off salary cap whenever the Galaxy agreed to buy it out, right? So there's, there's nothing in there that it's not like the Galaxy suddenly get money back towards the salary cap with Giovanni Dos Santos gone. That doesn't happen at all, and it, it was never going to happen. But what could happen is that, you know, Uncle Phil and AEG didn't have to write a check for $6.5 million. They only had to write a check for $3.25 million, which then means that, you know, they might be more inclined to spend another $3 million or something like that as the Galaxy move forward and the summer transfer window opens on July 9th. That's right. It's July 8th as we're recording. Tomorrow on Tuesday, the transfer window will officially open. We know the LA Galaxy uh, have some targets. We don't know if Pavone is anymore. We talked about that sort of slipping away. Um, you know, the 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 Quaresma uh, rumors, uh, the Ricardo Quaresma rumors as well out of Turkey also seem to be a little bit of a stretch in terms of the validity of those reports. 
I haven't heard any other names, but I would imagine if the LA Galaxy are not going to settle on Pavone, if they cannot make that deal happen, and that's gone quiet, and sometimes quiet is good, sometimes quiet means it's completely dead. Um, you know, people were hinting that the Pavone deal was dead. Um, I just, I don't think it's dead. I told you last week that I thought there was posturing going on. I still think that's part of the posturing, and the quiet could be a good sign as well. I have no inside information on that. It's just me sort of looking at this and trying to figure that out. I'll continue to just sort of reach out and try to figure out if we can find, you know, more of that, more of that stuff whenever we go. Uh, the other big news is that LA Galaxy players Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel Antuna, uh, of course, win the Gold Cup with Mexico. Jonathan Dos Santos scores the game's only goal to lead Mexico to that one nothing victory, a 73rd minute goal from Jonathan. Santos on what is such a technical uh, strike from Jonathan Dos Santos that you hope that that confidence follows him back to the LA Galaxy. I was talking with uh, somebody who works for the team there, and I said, you know, hey, it would be great for the Galaxy if, you know, Mexico lost to Costa Rica because the Galaxy would much rather have Jonathan Dos Santos and Ariel Antuna back with the club than, you know, than getting Giancarlo Gonzalez back. Now, that all worked out well, however it did. Um, but, you know, ultimately Mexico ended up winning that game uh, in penalty kicks, I believe, and, and they go on. And so that that happens, and, and Jonathan and, and Uriel get to start this game. Oriel uh, goes 86 minutes in this. You know, Jonathan Dos Santos played, I think, the whole game, or if he came out just before the end of the game, however it ended up being. But, you know, that's a lot of confidence for for those two players uh, coming back. So it looks like the LA Galaxy are expecting Jonathan Dos Santos and Uriel Antuna back to training on Tuesday. So it's Monday now, tomorrow's Tuesday. Looks like Tuesday they will be back with the club. Whether or not they are will be available for the game on Friday is a little up in the air in terms of how tired they are and all sorts of other things. It looks like neither of them are injured, um, even as Jonathan Dos Santos did take a pretty bad tackle from Josie Altador in this last game on his ankle, but he didn't seem to show any signs of injury throughout the rest of the game and again scored that goal in the 73rd minute on a left-footed. But the reason that's such a technical shot is that the ball is a little bit underneath his feet whenever it's laid off to him at the top of the box. And so he literally has to create space by opening his hips um, and by trying to step in a very tight space to, to create that space around to actually hit it with his left foot. And it's almost more of a scoop than it ends up being a hit, but it was perfectly hit. Um, and, and it goes off the underside of the crossbar and into the back of the net. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking for that, if Jonathan Dos Santos could get a little bit on that offensive side, if you could start getting some goals from Jonathan Dos Santos, um, you know, that could be something. But it, it's really Uriel Antuna who probably will get more, you know, I don't want to say gold, but, get, you know, sort of get more out of this tournament than, than even Jonathan Dos Santos with the game-winning goal. Jonathan Dos Santos' goal was, you know, clinical finish, and, and it's a really it's a technical great, technical job. Uh, Uriel Antuna, though, um, finished, let's see, fourth overall in goals scored in this tournament with four. He had that hat trick, and he had another goal scored. So um, those were all in the earlier rounds. Um, outside of that, he's been a little bit quieter. Uh, Uriel Antuna finished third overall in the tournament with assists with two. Um, so you can look at that and say, okay, you know, the, the young 21 year old had a pretty good game. Um, I, I think he had enough of a game that, and it's more on an international level sort of visibility than just playing with the LA galaxy. Um, that I, I think the, the performance only makes his stock rise. Even if I think it was maybe more hype than it probably should have been. Um, I think Antuna shows a lot for the LA Galaxy, uh, what he did with Mexico. I think that the quality of opponents just wasn't as good as some of the MLS opponents whenever you look at when he scored and, and sort of when those assists came in. Um, but I thought he played you know, decent uh, against the United States in that in that Gold Cup final. Um, I think it was important for him to sort of show in that Gold Cup final and, and show that he's capable of, of playing in the big games. And I thought that he had some, you know, some good plays and wasn't afraid to take people on. So there's a lot of confidence in that kid. I think all of that makes it harder for the LA Galaxy to keep him after this year. Um, that probably only made his stock rise. And Manchester City said, oh, cool, if we're going to sell him, then we're going to sell him for you know a whole bunch of money. Um, but Uriel Antuna is trying to stick around with the LA Galaxy. might be harder because of his performance here um, in the Gold Cup. And, and that's just something to sort of understand, that it might be one year and done for Uriel Antuna. The best case scenario is the LA Galaxy get him on loan for the next year as well. Um, but we'll see, because really, if you're Manchester City, the stock on a 21-year-old um, in Antuna's position probably can't get any higher than it is right now. So, I mean, that's sort of whenever you look at it and say, okay, you know, there's a good chance that they could they could sell him, um, you know, this winter whenever his loan deal is up with the LA Galaxy. So all of that stuff is uh, is really interesting to sort of try to follow and, and figure out. But Aurel Antuna uh, made a name for himself at the Gold Cup, whether it was, I think it's a little overhyped again by the way that he played. But, um, you know, with it's certainly an international exposure and because he's a loanee for Manchester City, that's going to put more 
more pressure on Manchester City to turn and flip them off for a profit. Um, and and that's what you're going to see. So the LA Galaxy trying to get in there and trying to buy them probably seems like it's out of the out of the league in terms of that. Um, whenever whenever you look at uh, you know what I think his eventual costs could be. I mean, you know, he might be ten twelve million dollars. Um, that's not a ton of money for a player. You know, in, in international football. It's a lot of money in Major League Soccer, and that would make him a designated player. And you would say that his quality is not designated player like. It's certainly not, you know, at 21 years old and what he's been able to show with the Galaxy. Now, maybe Guillermo Barrasclota needs to play him on the right hand side more. Maybe him and Emmanuel Boateng. Listen, I think the LA Galaxy have been way unbalanced since Uriel Antuna left. Um, I like Antuna with Boateng just because of the speed and because of who the Galaxy have available. No Pontius, no Alessandrini, no Leggett. Um, having said all of those, if you can, start those two guys because I think the speed on the outside is is a lot for people to deal with. Um, I think it would be a lot for San Jose to deal with. I think it would be a lot for LAFC to deal with, even as they have um, some speedy players on there. All right, as we continue on with the news, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was named to Team of the Week on the bench, however. Um, apparently, you know, with all the goals being scored over this weekend, um, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't it was enough, the two goals that he scored, to actually be put on the starting field there. Um, Carlos Vela ended up with two goals and one assist and ended up winning MLS Player of the Week. So that was also in there. I just would like to remind everybody, I do not get... A, uh, a vote for team of the week. Uh, I do get a vote for player of the week. Um, let's go now to the league's cup press release. Uh, the league's cup now, uh, just not too far away. As a matter of fact, uh, the LA galaxy playing the Jolos on, uh, July 23rd. This is a game that I think we've told you. We don't feel like there's a lot of <clears throat> support behind playing in this game. It seems like a meaningless competition within a hectic and crazy MLS schedule that is coming down here. Um, I think that MLS is really going to have to look at this schedule again and try to figure out whether or not this makes any sense. Um, when you look at all the games that the Galaxy are going to have to play and all the rest of the teams are going to have to play as well. And the fact that MLS just isn't equipped with the depth of team to be able to play this many games in that short of a time. Uh, but anyway, there was a press release about the League's Cup and it's basically that Major League Soccer and League MX today announced that Univision and ESPN in the United States and TSN and TVA Sports in Canada will televise League's Cup, the new annual competition between the top two scoring leagues in North America. Basically, what I will tell you is that, the, that ESPN will... Uh, carry the July 23rd game against the Jolos uh, coming up uh, this month. Uh, so that will actually be on national television whenever it comes. Uh, I don't know if this puts more pressure on the LA Galaxy to take this tournament seriously, which I hope they don't. Um, I would gladly see all of the Galaxy 2 players out there because I think that if you're trying to win in MLS and you're trying to get in the playoffs and you're trying to sustain a run right now, and we're going to talk about stats here in just a second, but when you're trying to do all those things, playing this meaningless game and doing it in between some difficult games coming up for the LA Galaxy as well, I mean, if you look at the schedule, they will be playing uh, on the Tuesday between the LAFC match on Friday, July 19th, and the Saturday match between July 27th. Yes, there is you know a little bit of, of wiggle room because it's a Friday-Saturday. It would be better if it was Friday-Sunday, but it's not. Um, but it's away at Portland. It's home at L home to uh, home with LAFC. It's home to Jolos. Um, all those things, you know, I, I guess line up a little better. But I just think that trying to to see this in between all those things um, is, is sort of going to be dangerous for the LA Galaxy and, and how they try to do that. So again, the League's Cup uh, is going to be broadcasting this particular game on ESPN. That's where you can find it, and you're actually be able to find a lot of the games on ESPN, ESPN Plus, ESPN Two, um, those types of things. So keep those. Um, you know, sort of uh, earmarked as if the LA Galaxy actually get by the Jolos, which I think most fans are hoping that the, that the Galaxy lose that game and they don't have to worry about it anymore and that they don't take it very seriously. We'll see if that happens. Uh, the weekly schedule for the LA Galaxy, uh, they are training on Monday. They're training on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the game is on Friday. They'll take Saturday and Sunday off. A little note about last week's training schedule. Galaxy actually rearranged some off days. Uh, they trained on Friday, ended up taking Saturday and Sunday off. That did allow, and I don't believe they did it specifically for this, but it ended up certainly helping out, and I think maybe it was because the, the guys did want to watch 
the Women's World Cup final as well. But it allowed Servando Carrasco to fly to France to be there with his wife, Alex Morgan, whenever she won uh, the World Cup there, the Women's World Cup. So he was on hand for that game and, and there, and I expect that he will probably be back on Tuesday as that as everybody comes back. I think uh, the women are back, and so he probably flew back today and, and got in there. May have missed some training, but you know, ultimately that's not a big thing whenever you realize what his wife was able to do and that he was able for that. So I think if that was done specifically for Savano Carrasco, that's really awesome. If it was done specifically for uh, the fact that the LA Galaxy wanted to watch the Women's World Cup final on Sunday because they were supposed to train on Sunday and they decided to take that off, I think that's awesome too. I think all of these things, none of that hurts the LA Galaxy. It only helps. Um, and if they didn't do it for any of those reasons, but it just worked out that way, then that's awesome too. However that works, um, that's fine with me. As we look at the LA Galaxy injuries, uh, there is a little bit of a rumor that Ramon Alessandrini is back to a little bit of light training. Um, and so we'll look to sort of verify that. I think Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, will be out at training on Wednesday. So we'll be talking uh, to those players to look for an article from Mr. Larry Morgan coming out on Wednesday. Uh, Rolf Felcher apparently still injured right now. We're going to try to get an update on his. You have Jorgen Shelvik, who could be back to training but was dealing with a toe injury. Chris Pontius was supposed to be out three weeks. We're now under week one of that three weeks, so two more weeks. And then Sebastian Legette, uh, Pelvis, uh, did not train last week, and so we'll see if he's back at all for the possibility of playing against San Jose. We already went over the rumors for you. All of that stuff is uh, is sort of still up in the air. I think you're going to see a lot more buzz continue now as all of the international tournaments are over. Uh, Copa America is done. Brazil ended up winning that. You had the Gold Cup um, that was being played, and the United States won that. I think AFCON is now done as well. Um, so you had all of these things sort of played at this time that are now now complete. Uh, if you look at the standings, the Eastern Conference leaders right now, the Philadelphia Union at 36 points, DC United at 31 points, Atlanta United coming up against the LA Galaxy here pretty soon um, with 30 points. So that's something to watch. The worst team in Major League Soccer is FC Cincinnati with 14 points right now and a .74 um, points per game average. Over in the Western Conference, you have the league-leading LAFC at 43 points, uh, the LA Galaxy at 34 points. Both of those teams now on 19 games played. Um, the plus 34 goal differential there for LAFC is obviously best in the league. I didn't need to tell you that. The Galaxy sit in second place. Seattle Sounders just two points behind on the same number of games uh, with 32. Minnesota now at 30 points at the same number of games played. FC Dallas with one more game having been played at 29 points. The San Jose Earthquakes trying to rapidly continue their climb. 28 points, 19 games played. And the Houston Dynamo, 27 points, 18 games played. So they're the ones sort of sitting there at 18. Um, they're the only ones in the Western Conference with that 18 right now. We're also like just below the playoff line, just one point behind the Houston Dynamo. Portland Timbers at 23, Galaxy opponent coming up pretty quickly. Sporting Kansas City at 22, Vancouver Whitecaps, who got annihilated by LAFC uh, at 20 points. And the Colorado Rapids at 19 points, who played the longest game I think ever. They were supposed to start before the Galaxy on July 4th. It ended up going into weather hold, weather delay. Uh, I think it ended up fitting, finishing about or, or getting ready to kick off like 1.30 Eastern, 1.30 a.m. Eastern time on July 5th, whenever you look at it. Um, so that was just a debacle of a game. New, New England Revolution, Bruce Arena's whole team ended up winning there as well. If you look at the Supporters' Shield standings, it's basically the same as it has been. There hasn't been a lot of change. In fact, if you look at the LA Galaxy, they've stayed almost in the exact same position now for I don't know, the last three months. Uh, LAFC number one, Philadelphia Union number two, and the LA Galaxy number three in terms of the Supporters' Shield. Um, and then it's all the usual suspects right behind them. We talked about the schedule coming up. LA Galaxy Friday, July 12th, take on the San Jose Earthquakes at Dignity Health Sports Park. Then they will host LAFC on Friday, July 19th. Uh, then it is the Tuesday, July 23rd, my birthday, uh, the game I don't want to go to, but I'll be there on my birthday. Uh, Tuesday, July 23rd game against Club Tijuana um, at Dignity Health Sports Park. Then they go away for three games. It is at Portland on July 27th, at Atlanta on August 3rd, and at DC United on August 11th. So two East Coast trips there um, after doing a, a what is actually a pretty long trip up to Portland whenever you, you figure the flight times and stuff like that. Um, then they'll be home finally in the middle of August. Remember, five games in August. Uh, middle of August on Wednesday to play FC Dallas. Um, then they'll host the Seattle Sounders on Saturday, August 17th. And then it will be away to LAFC at the end of August. September is Seattle away, Colorado away, Sporting Kansas City home, Montreal home, away to RSL, 
home to Vancouver, and then the final game is October 6th. Uh, that's a Sunday, and it's away at the Houston Dynamo. So uh, the Galaxy have a ridiculously busy schedule. Just going over the, the those games in September, it's a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. I know that it just... Imagine, just try to count the days in between when it be Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. Um, and then a Sunday that finally finish out in October on the October 6th. So that's the Galaxy schedule. We told you it would be condensed. We told you that we don't know what to expect. Um, there are some teams who play a ton of games coming up in a very short span of time, especially teams that are in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, so that's going to happen as well. So just keep an eye on those teams, see where they're at, and see when the Galaxy play them, and we'll get to see how tired they are whenever they finally come in uh, to face the LA Galaxy. Before I get out of here, I wanted to get a question. This one comes in from Debbie. Debbie says, LA needs a women's pro team. Uh, she says, AEG and the Galaxy organization need to develop an NWSL team for LA. Look at Seattle and Portland. What would keep them from making this happen? We were LA sole season ticket holders. It was really exciting. They had the best attendance in the WPS League. What do you think? I'll tell you, I, I've always think, <clears throat> and we've said this before, this is not a shock to anybody. We've said it's a complete waste of money if you're going to start a women's academy team, which the LA Galaxy have done. Um, it's a complete waste of money if you have nowhere to put them. Um, and so whenever they, they age out of that system, they're supposed to either go to college or they're supposed to go to other professional teams that are not the LA Galaxy. So where is the advantage for the LA Galaxy? We're talking strictly economics here. That team is, that women's team is a drain on the LA Galaxy's economy in terms of that there is no pro level for them to go to. Um, when you look at the academy systems for the boys, there's places for those boys to play. They have the places at USL. Um, they have places, you know, in Major League Soccer. That's not to say that the women don't deserve, the, but the women, if you're going to start a team, you have to have a place to put them. There has to be, in my mind, if you're the LA Galaxy, there has to be a payoff for this and not just to make other teams richer because that's really what you're doing. It's either colleges or it's, you know, Portland, it's Seattle, you know, it's the Washington Spirit. It is, you know, all these other places, you know, uh, around, you know, it's RSL uh, that has the women's team as well. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to have a women's academy team, you're going to have a girls' academy team, then have a place for them to go. Um, I think that whenever the LA Soul were here, that that was, a, that was such a brief moment in time, and I don't think there were any plans for that team to stay long-term. Um, it always seemed like, uh, you know, from the talks I've had with, with friends who, who are more intimately involved and understand this, it always seemed like the league was going to contract after that. So it was understood that the, the Galaxy and AEG would run that team for basically a year, um, and then that would be it. And they would look for other sellers, and if they couldn't find them, that was going to be it. Um, so I don't think it was, you know, very well supported, uh, you know, and, and you look at the, what the LA Soul did, and they had Marta, you know, one of the best players in the world, uh, still played at the Women's World Cup. I think that now is the time. Um, you know, maybe it's just all the momentum from the Women's World Cup. I, I certainly think that has something to play play into it. Um, but, you know, there were a ton of Americans who were watching uh, the Women's World Cup on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And if it was a better time, I think more people would have been watching it in the United States. But, you know, a ton of people around the U.S. watched it. I have to imagine that Los Angeles is one of those places. I would love to see the LA Galaxy start a, uh, a, a, a professional women's team. Um, you know, there's certainly rumors that LAFC and, uh, and I think Barcelona at one time were going to start a women's team in LA. Um, that hasn't gone anywhere yet. I, I'll be honest. It, it's one of those that whoever starts that team is going to get, you know, money is going to get the money of people who are waiting for that to happen. Um, I think the LA galaxy could do it. They already have the girls Academy team. They already have these girls that they're developing, that they could feed into this professional team. And you want to talk about, you know, really, yeah, trying to, to build the women's game here at the professional level in the United States, having that pipeline uh, feeding into, you know, an L.A. Galaxy uh, a women's team seems like it's the perfect thing to do. It, it makes a ton of sense. Otherwise, what again, in my mind, you're wasting the capital that could be used on a whole bunch of other things if that's what you're going to do. Um, without a professional level women's team, it, it just seems like uh, it's 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 a it's a fruitless uh, endeavor and you may do it for the PR and that's fine. And the galaxy probably put a value on that and, and they can, but it seems like the end goal here is always to have, you know, a women's team. And I think now's the time to do that. You already have the training facilities. You already have the locker rooms. You already have the field. You already have everything that you need. You have the Academy. All you have to do is enter in and AEG has more than enough money to make this happen. I'm not going to say they're going to make any money off that for a while. 
Um, but certainly the way it's going in Europe and the way it's going here, it feels like the, the women's game is really gaining traction, is really gaining sort of that groundswell of support, especially after the United States wins their, you know, their, their record fourth World Cup. It, it's time to make that decision. I think now if you wait, uh, you're reacting to things, and I don't think you get the financial benefit as good as you do if you can, uh, if you can sort of be ahead of things. And I think now is, is that time for AEG and the LA Galaxy to be ahead of things. Uh, starting an LA Galaxy women's team is, 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 should happen. Um, I would like to see it happen, and, and certainly if I'm not covering it, uh, I'll be a fan of that team in a heartbeat. Um, I really enjoyed watching the Women's World Cup and, and all that, and I would love it if there was a team here in Los Angeles that was close to, to where I could watch uh, live women's soccer. So uh, all about that. Uh, so thanks, Debbie, for, for writing in. Appreciate that, and, and hopefully that answered your question a little bit. All right. Uh, I think that about does it for me tonight. Uh, let's see. There will be a live show. Everybody listen up. Live show coming up on Wednesday night, not Thursday night. The game's on Friday, so we want to make sure that we have uh, a couple days to digest that show and, and get it going. So Wednesday night, live, 7 p.m. Uh, the Portuguese Hammer will be in studio with me. Might also have a, uh, a guest caller in as well. So uh, keep that on your, uh, your calendar. All right. <clears throat> Remember, Kevin should be back next week as he comes back from the Women's World Cup and covering that in France. Um, so we should get him next Monday, and he'll join us there. Uh, and then that about does it. Uh, again, a live show coming up on Wednesday. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGESMAN, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our articles, our recaps, our previews, our shows, our merchandise, everything in there. If you like what we do, if you think that we do a good job and you want to support us, uh, please head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com and click the shop button, and you can support us right there. All right. Uh, let's see. For the panda who's still MIA, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.